can't preach after that, you can't preach. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Set that standard high, man. Woo. Awesome. Hey, I know we have transitioned into a new series and we're in missions month, but don't stop praying. Today is day 21. For many of you, you made it 21 days. And uh, for the rest, go ahead. That's all right. Uh, for the rest of us, we're going to continue on into 40 days. And let me just invite you, hop in now, 714 in the morning, 714 at night. Um, keep praying. And don't forget, when God answers your prayers, uh, write those answered prayer requests on the prayer boards in that hallway uh, towards the hub. We would love to rejoice with you and, and see how God is answering those prayers. Before I get to the message today, I want to just piggyback and talk a little bit about Pastor Trey's announcement on our Steel Valley campus, this rebranding for expansion. We are launching that at the end of this month, October 22nd. I will be there that weekend uh, just praying over Pastor Trey and uh, doing that installation service I shared with you when we brought him on board. The goal was for him to spend some time with us this summer, learning our DNA, building relationships and getting to know us and us equipping him so that um, when we launched for expansion or rebranding for expansion, that he would be able to hit the ground running. And so for the next few weeks, he'll be in the lobby, as he mentioned, and I hope that uh, you take a minute to meet him. Um, oftentimes, people may ask, you know, well, why have a second campus? We are one church, but we have two locations right now, here in the north side and there at Steel Valley. We're one congregation. Let me remind you, those folks at the Steel Valley campus, they're watching right now. They are equally a part of the ACAC congregation. We're all one. We're just two locations. Why would we do that? Well, let me answer it this way. Several weeks ago, I was at a gathering uh, on the eastern side of Pennsylvania with a bunch of pastors who pastor here in our state. And um, the, the lead pastor was sharing with us a conversation that him and his staff had with Chick-fil-A executives. Do we have any Chick-fil-A fans here today? They're closed today, so you can't go. But um, he was meeting with executives at Chick-fil-A and these Chick-fil-A executives told him the mission of Chick-fil-A is not to build as many stores as they possibly can so that customers will come into their doors and get their chicken. That's not their mission. Their mission is to get their chicken into as many hands as possible. Now, let me connect that with why we have multi-site. Our job as a church, and actually you could say the church's job globally, is not to build as many churches as we possibly can so people will come inside these doors. The goal is so that we can get Jesus into the hearts of as many people as we possibly can. And so... Um, that is why we have a Steel Valley campus. It's to reach more people for Jesus. Now, our mission, and I'll mention this in a little bit, is following Jesus in diverse community. He has uniquely equipped us uh, to share the gospel in diverse communities. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you, all of you, to pray, would this be a season that God is calling you to be a part of this rebranding for expansion? There are 350 people that attend this Northside campus that live within a five-mile radius of that Steel Valley campus. And I'm asking you to pray. All right, we got one over here. Um, I'm asking you to pray, would God have you go in this season and help and be a part of that. And so if that's, uh, the Holy Spirit is nugging on your heart, tugging on your heart, um, go ahead and, and pick up one of these cards and connect with Pastor 
tray. All right, let me pray for our time together in God's word. Heavenly Father, uh, this is an exciting season for us uh, as a church, but especially as we talk about your great commission. And I just pray that it wouldn't be filled with thematic music and excitement um, and just inspiration again, that it would lead to transformation, that we wouldn't just talk about going, but we would actually go. And not just a select few, but all of us. So right now, Holy Spirit, no one needs to hear from me. They need to hear from you. But I am the vessel you've chosen at this moment, so anoint my lips Help me to choose my words carefully that they are from your heart and let them pierce the deepest part of our hearts. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Gallaudet University is located in Washington, D.C. It was founded in 1864. And it was the first school for the advanced education of the deaf and hard of hearing in the world. And it continues today in Washington, D.C. Now, in 1894, the Gallaudet University football team was playing against another deaf university football team. For Gallaudet, Paul Hubbard was the quarterback. And here's what happened. Paul Hubbard, the quarterback, would use American Sign Language to communicate the plays to his players. And so rather than giving the plays away to the other team, what he did was he asked his players to come around him in a tight circle so that when he used American Sign Language to communicate the play, the other team wouldn't see the play. He had no idea, but in that moment in 1894, he invented what we now know as the huddle. Now, most of us are gonna watch a lot of huddles this afternoon because the huddle is used all over the world in a wide variety of team sports. Football is certainly one of those, but basketball and soccer use it as well. And here's the thing about huddles. The huddle is important to the success of the team. It's the place where players unite around a singular vision. It's where they communicate with one another to assure that they're all running the right play for the right moment in time. Huddles serve a great purpose, but they only last a few moments, maybe 30 seconds at the most. The team eventually has to break the huddle, and each player has to take their position on the field to run the designated play. There's something else about huddles. Huddles are safe, and huddles are comfortable. No one's getting hit in the huddle. You're surrounded by people who love you. They're your teammates. They're for you. However, as important as the huddle is to the team's success, it's the execution of the play is what ultimately is most important. None of us want to gather at one o'clock this afternoon and watch the Steelers huddle all afternoon. (laughs) What do we want us to do? We want to see them successfully execute the plays that are called. If the players don't run the play, they can't score. And if they can't score, they don't win. Here's the question I have for all of us today. How much are we, as the church, often just like that? This is our huddle. We're in a huddle right now. We gather here together for service, to hear the quarterback call the play, if you will, and it's comfortable. Hopefully no one's getting hit in the mouth right now or today. You're surrounded by your own teammates and you're not getting opposition from the opposing team. This huddle is really important. Our gatherings are very important. We need to read and study God's word and learn our playbook, the Bible. 
We need to encourage one another to build each other up and to make sure that we are all equipped to do our part on the field. But eventually, we gotta break the huddle and we have to run and execute the play. And speaking about the huddling of the body of Christ, pastor and Dr. Tony Evans once said this. Now what Christians often do is get high on their huddles. We gather together on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday nights and we go nuts in the huddle. We say, boy, didn't we have a huddle? My quarterback can call better plays than your quarterback. And boy, do we enjoy the huddle. But what people don't seem to understand is that the huddle is so we can play the game. Dr. Evans continues, he says, the effectiveness of your church cannot be measured by how well you do on Sunday morning. The test of the church is what it does in the marketplace. And what we need today are churches that are representative of Jesus Christ, not only when gathered, but when disseminated. Our mission here at ACAC, it's a phrase you probably have memorized and know. Our mission as a church is following Jesus in diverse community. Now, it's really important that we get that phrase in the right order. First and foremost, we follow Jesus. And following Jesus means that all of us are being transformed by Jesus and that we go on mission for Jesus. First and foremost, we follow Jesus. But for our context, our unique calling here at ACAC is that we follow him, we are transformed by him, and we go on mission with him in diverse community. Here at ACAC, our strategy to accomplish that mission are three words that all start with G. We gather together, we grow together, and we go together. We gather, we grow, and we go. It's important that we gather. It's important that we huddle together. We want as many people, this is the largest net that we can possibly cast, I tell our staff. We want as many people as we can to come and gather, to feel welcome. Even those who maybe don't believe yet, we want them to find a sense of belonging here so that the Holy Spirit can work in their hearts and they will believe. Huddling, gathering is important. But if we stop at gathering and never move on to growing, we're baby Christians. It's why we have life groups. It's why we have Bible studies, men's and women's and Zoom classes, all of those things. It's why we gather outside of our weekend so that we will be transformed and grow, grow in discipleship, grow in our transformation. However, we gather and we grow so that ultimately we will go. We have to break the huddle. If we never go, there is no point for us to gather and grow. There is no point for us to come in here and be inspired and sing a bunch of songs, read God's word, memorize God's word, be transformed by God's word if we stay within these four walls and we never share that transformation with the world. If we never go, there's no point for us to gather and to grow. This mission series is called Go and it's a perfect follow-up to our series on prayer where we recognize that prayer always precedes powerful moves of God. Jesus is calling us to be empowered witnesses. The Holy Spirit did not come for the enjoyment of the church. The Holy Spirit did not come for our personal enjoyment. The Holy Spirit came so that the church and you and I would be empowered. The reality is 
that many Jesus followers face a strong pull to focus primarily on our enjoyment, our happiness, our needs, our experience, our time with God, and if you will, our huddles. All too often we live our lives absorbed with the gathering and the growing. And when we do this, we miss out on the very reason why we are empowered. And that is the going. However, you and I aren't alone in that pool. The first followers of Jesus also wrestled with this. We're going to go back and look at Acts chapter one again. We've used this text throughout the prayer series and it's a great transition to this mission series. It's the 40 days right after Jesus ascended into heaven. Acts chapter one, verse four and five, we looked at this before. Once when he, speaking about Jesus, was eating with them, his disciples, he commanded his followers, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. Speaking about the Holy Spirit. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus continually told his followers, his disciples, that there was a gift coming, there was an empowerment coming, known as the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were anxiously anticipating this promised gift that Jesus spoke of. However, the next question they ask Jesus reveals the desire that is in their heart to see how the power of God would be unleashed in their world. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and to restore what? Our kingdom, their kingdom. You see, the disciples were hoping that this newfound empowerment would be for their benefit. They are essentially asking Jesus, when the spirit comes, when you empower us, will we be back in power? You see, they wanted the power of the Holy Spirit, but they wanted it for their own purpose. They're like, okay, this power that you're gonna be poured out, will we wipe out the Romans now? Will we be in charge? Will we be on top? They wanted the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for their own personal gain and benefit. And if we're honest with each other, our tendency is to do the same. It's to settle for power in position rather than in being empowered for the mission. However, Jesus reveals the purpose of his followers being empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, you will receive power, yes, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, uh, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Two things that are important for us as Jesus shared this with his first followers that are significant for you and I today, it's this. First of all, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power. And for us today, we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his followers, they will receive this empowerment when the Holy Spirit comes. Now remember, at this time, Jesus has already commissioned them to go. He's already told them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yet Jesus knew it was going to be an impossible task for his followers to do on their own. So on the day of Pentecost, these followers of Jesus received the power they would need to fulfill the mission. We know it is Acts chapter two. They won't put it on the screen. They're not going to this morning. Let me read it to you. This is the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers 
were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They said, we hear all of these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. Luke writes that in that moment, there were people from the Middle East. There were people from Europe. There were people from Asia. There were people from Africa, all hearing the good news of Jesus in their native tongue. Don't miss out on what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out on some Hebrew-only speaking people from Galilee. But when the Holy Spirit's poured out, all of a sudden they supernaturally have the ability to speak other languages. And when people heard what was coming on, they come and they are hearing the good news of the gospel in their own language. This is what the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit did. And so it is with us. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We have no ability in our own to influence people for Christ. We could have missions year instead of missions month. We could be so creative in the songs we write and the graphics we produce. We could bring in the top and the best preachers and speakers, the motivators on missions in the world. We could even send and go out and spend millions of dollars. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. So what is the purpose of this power? We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we are to be empowered as witnesses. The Holy Spirit was not given solely for our personal enjoyment or power in position, but rather for the empowerment of the mission. We are empowered to be his witnesses. Now I'm gonna shock some of you today because this word witness is where we get the word martyr. So yes, you, me, all of us are empowered. The Holy Spirit was poured out so that we would be his spirit-filled martyrs. That we would go and proclaim the good news, proclaim the gospel regardless. That is why we are empowered. And where are we to be his witnesses? Jesus tells us, he says, you're to tell people about me everywhere as my empowered witness in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you may read that and go, well, Jesus was speaking solely to his disciples who lived in Israel. And those are geographic locations in Israel. Yes, they are. But it has implications for you and I today. Because you have a Jerusalem. You have a Judea. You have a Samaria. And we're all called to the ends of the earth. Let me tell you, this is your Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem is your family, it's your friends, it's those within your sphere of influence, those in whom you regularly interact with. This should be the most natural place for all of us to start. 
And you need to understand that God has called you to be an empowered witness to those whom you are really close to. But he also has called you to go beyond your Jerusalem to go to your Judea. What's your Judea, you may ask? Your Judea is those not in your immediate network of relationships. It could be your coworkers, it could be your neighbors, it could be your acquaintances in the community, it could be the parents uh, of those that you rub shoulders with at your kids' sports games. You're called to Jerusalem, you're called to Judea, but you're also called to Samaria. What do you mean, what's, what's my Samaria? You may remember in the Bible, remember Jesus went into Samaria, met the woman at the well? Remember the disciples? They didn't wanna go into Samaria. In fact, they wanted to go around Samaria, why? Because they didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't like them. Guess what? Jesus is calling us to go to people we don't like. You don't get off the hook. You don't get off the hook just to witness to your friends or the people that you're okay with that live across the street. No, if you're a Republican, Jesus has called you to go into the areas where there are Democrats. If you are a Democrat, Jesus has called you to go into the areas where there are Republicans. Jesus has called you to go into the communities, neighborhoods, and countries where you don't feel comfortable and maybe you don't even like. Yes, Jesus has called you to be a witness to the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals. You don't get off the hook and we can laugh, but the people that turn you off, Jesus has called you to reach them too. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then we all do not get a pass to the ends of the earth. He said, and to the ends of the earth. Each and every one of us have a responsibility to be an empowered witness to the ends of the earth, to all people, to all tribes, and to all nations. Now you may ask, Pastor Allen, are you saying that God has called me to be a full-time missionary in Tanzania? No, I'm not saying that, maybe. But he has called all of us to play a part. That part may be praying specifically for a nation, for a tribe, for a tongue. That calling may be specifically for you to give beyond what you are giving, to sacrificially give to missions work all over the world. It may be for you to connect with global workers, international workers that we have serving in the field so you can be a Barnabas to them. You can be an encouragement to them. He may be calling you to go on a short-term missions trip for a week, two weeks, three months, six months, whatever it may be. I don't know. You need to be obedient to God, but what I can tell you is you are called to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus said in John chapter 20, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As God looked at his son Jesus and said, Jesus, go. So too Jesus says to us, God's children, go. I am sending you to go. And if we never go, there is no point in us gathering or growing. We have to to break the huddle. I don't know if there is a better transition that we could have this morning than going to the Lord's table for Holy Communion. Would you take those elements that you received? Ushers, help me out here. If there is anyone here today that you do not have communion elements, just simply raise your hand. Keep your hand raised until they get you the elements. I'll make sure that we wait for you. 
If you need an element, just simply raise your hand. The ushers are coming. They're working their way from the back to the front. Let me remind you, if you're a guest with us today, communion is open to you. You don't have to be a member or regular attender of ACAC. You simply need to be a member of the family of God. This is a perfect opportunity for us as we talk about going to think and remember what Christ did for each and every one of us on the cross. That transformation, that testimony needs to be shared to other people. Would you take the bread, place it in your hand? On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It is an agreement confirmed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's partake of the cup together. Stand to your feet this morning if you would. Heavenly Father, for some of us in this room, the idea of going and being on mission with you is not new. In fact, this is one of the most exciting times of the year for them because you have done incredible work in their heart and they are passionate about missions. I thank you for that. For others, there may be some here today, and this has been a new message for them. They're, they didn't recognize that they were called to go. And they're challenged, and they're trying to figure out what that means. And then we have everywhere, everybody in between. Here's my prayer for this month. No matter where each of us may be individually, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, that we would take personal and corporate faith-filled risks, that you would empower us, not for our own personal enjoyment, not for our own power and position, but we would be empowered for the mission. I pray that you would call some to go into the missionary field. Lord, those that maybe as a child, you put that seed in their heart and they have forgotten about it until this moment or to this month. I ask that Holy Spirit water that seed. Make a way, make their feet beautiful that they would carry the gospel to all tribes and all tongues. 
I pray that you would help us, that you would call some to give in ways that they have never given before for the work of the gospel. I pray that you would ignite the flame of prayer in some of our prayer warriors to pray for specific geographic locations where the gospel has not been reached. Lord, I pray for our kids and students. Lord, that you would call some of our kids, our students, And even beyond that, that they would understand the responsibility that they have and we all have to go. Take us to Jerusalem. Take us to Judea. Take us to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now go. (laughs) And love people where they are.